On today's episode, we talked about what not to say to grievers. We absolutely did, Benny. And I also, we explored what to say to grievers as well. So listen in. Let's talk about death, baby. Let's talk about grief and mourning. Is it argumental or existential? What's it mean to me? Let's talk about death. Hi, I'm Benny Kapal, and I'm a funeral professional. And I'm Nicholas Cabal, psychologist. Hey, Nick, let's talk about death. Let's do it. Benny Boy Slim. <sighs> Benny Boy, here he is again. He's always up to tricks, that Benny Boy. Here's the here's the topic for tonight. I rubbed my beard against the mic. I hope you all heard that. I heard it. Um, so we're going to talk about what not to say to grieving people today. Oh, good one, Nick. Whew. Good one. Good one. Good one. We were just talking we were just talking about this. And it it is such a human, like a natural thing, what to say, right? Because there's almost like let me pause you for a second. Do you know that every episode you make the comment that we talk about? We just talked about this. It's like Do Do we not just talk about things though? I mean, I mean have we not just talked about but do you think viewers are sitting back in in their their chairs like yeah this guy he he always says that they were talking about it like what are they just weirdos that talk about these topics we talk about death but we do do. actually we do and we were recently talking about this so for all the viewers this is a a legit thing. thank you for that two minutes of lost time well i'm glad that we got that accomplished All right. So what not to say to grievers, right? We're we're talking about when you when you go to a funeral home and you go up to the the family or the spouse, etc. And and you kind of almost without even knowing you're doing it, like subconsciously, you say like the the textbook, what five things, Doc Nick, like what? What are the norms? You know, they're in a better place. Okay, that's one. Another one. Well, at least they're not hurting anymore. Okay, another one. Um, I mean, you can even go to extreme. Uh, uh, when are you going to get over this? No, oh, that's a good. I mean, one. They, they. I mean, it's been a month. How are you doing? How are you? How's doing? your day going? Yeah, yeah. How are you doing right now at doing? this funeral yeah. right now that you just lost mm-hmm. your your husband for thirty five mm-hmm. plus years? You're doing pretty good, huh? Hope you have a good day, right? Hope you- <laughs> that's. that's- <laughs> Nick, I've heard it. I've heard it all. In fact, I, I I'm I'm gonna put this out right here. I have made these mistakes. I have parked the cars of, you know, loved ones or spouses, and I've said, you know, how's your day going? Wow, did that just open it up? Well, you know, I had I had one. I got to be honest. I always like when the people actually say the truth. They actually just were like, okay, nope, <laughs> you opened it up. I'm gonna tell you, and they'll say like, honestly, I had a pretty shitty week. Um, well, my hemorrhoids are acting up. My today. my husband died, and now I got to figure out all this stuff. Or, um, I do always like the the comical ones too. The the ones where they actually you could tell like there was a lot of love, but it's almost like they 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 know that their their partner would want them to to joke about it. So they're like, oh yeah, now I gotta I gotta deal with um, finding all these paperwork that he said he was going to show me years ago and never got to it. Um, but today we're going to talk about things not to say to grievers, or at least. Take some time before you go up to somebody who's dealing with grief and and think about it, right? Because that's the idea. Okay, so one thing that can be really easy for all the viewers out there. Viewers. Listeners. Viewers on podcasters. Well, you know, you can view us through your through your ears. Hmm. Um so here <laughs> it sounds psychedelic. Yum. 
Um, no, no, I was going to say, like, mm. you brought up the taste colors. You brought up the quote that I think is a knee jerk, knee jerk reaction for all of us is, how are you doing today? Right. That's what right. we always say. Yeah. Hope you have a good or, day. How, how are you doing? Right. Change it to what I just said. How are you doing today? It makes it very more personal. You're recognizing that they're hurting. You're asking them, how are they actually doing in this moment in time? It's more personal. They're going to take it more personal because when you ask them, how are you doing? It's almost like you want to slap them in the face and go, well, how do you think I'm doing? You know, my husband just died, you know, like obviously not great. Um, Is that what you want to hear? Or do you want me just be like, good. And I'll throw like, a, I'll throw a doc neck here. The reality is, you're going to have a hundred people. You know, that it's day. funny, Ben. We were just talking about this. <laughs> the reality of the situation is, you're going to have a hundred to two hundred people saying that exactly over and over to you. So don't be one of those two hundred people that come in and say the same taglines, um, because we want to be empathetic. We do not want to be apathetic. And if and if you're not really thinking about it and you're just kind of, well, I got to be here, I got to do this, go through the motions. These people are going through some pretty rough times. And I'm not saying you're doing it maliciously. I'm just saying, really think about it. And you know what? I, Doc, Nick, and I were, were just talking about this the other day. Sometimes saying nothing is the right way. So you, you said empathetic versus apathetic. Correct. And I'm going to say, I think it's important that we be empathetic and not sympathetic. Oh, okay. Yeah. So sympathy for all the p- viewers out there, there is a difference between sympathy and empathy. And empathy. sympathy is feeling bad for someone. Empathy is actually feeling what they're feeling. Yeah. Walking in their shoes. Right. So when you say things like, you know, um, sympathy and don't get me wrong. Like I think more importantly, it's in- more importantly, it's more important for you to be there physically for this person. And Ben, Benny nailed it. Sometimes just holding their hand or holding space for them, that old idea of holding space, right? Yeah, absolutely. You hear that all the time, right? That, it, it seems super easy. It is not. It's very hard. And it's challenging, especially when you're looking in the eyes of a griever, right? And that's old. And that's it's a- very challenging when you're sitting with Benny, who wants to talk all the time. And he wants absolutely. to tell you how he feels and who he is and why he's so good at what he does. And it's annoying and people don't want to hear that, right? When they're when they're when they're grieving, they want to just, hey, I'm here. Speak it. Speak your truth. Yeah, and I, I do hear that. How long was it hard to hold that pause? It was really hard to hold that pause. I was oof, I was struggling. I was sweating a little bit. Um, but no, um actually looking them in the eyes, that's a big thing. A lot of the times when you see people cry, you want to look away. It's wrong to do when it comes to grievers, because you're if you look away, you're you're t- you're what you're telling them is it's embarrassing for them to be crying. If you look at them and give credit to what it is, which is they are they are struggling because they love somebody and they're hurting now because they love so much. Looking at them, right eye to right eye, taking the time to actually sit with them. You know what? Even opening it up to them. You know how are you doing today? Today, uh, you did. Yeah, you literally just said that. <laughs> no, but like you, you know, literally what I mean? like just said what we told them not you know, to. But say. I was, I you didn't. I was holding so, the hand. So of let the me love let them. me to go back to the right eye to right eye because Ben tends to take my my um, things that I've taught him and don't explain them. To me, I really have believed in my time as a clinical therapist that if you can look at someone right eye to right eye or 
if you're left-handed, left eye to left eye. Um, well, it'd be left eye to their right eye usually is what it is. But anyways, if they're left-handed too. If they're left-handed, I would never know. And maybe I'm not. But I truly believe, in my opinion, if I look someone directly right eye to right eye, I'm looking into their soul. And I think that all, the thought of taking time to actually give them my presence is important. And I think that's what, what we're talking about here. Sometimes just being there, being present, being with them through, let's be, let's be real, one of the darkest times that this person is ever going to have to go through is the most important thing for them, is to have someone, someone that they can talk to about it, someone who is not going to change the subject, someone who is not going to avoid talking about it, someone who is willing to sit there in the, you know, whatever feelings they have, whether it's guilt, shame, despair, um, anxiety, depression, all that stuff, if we can hold space for them and let them know that they're not alone, that is what we're what we're talking about here. And yes, it is very challenging to say the right thing to every person you'll ever meet that's going through grief, because like with grief, everybody is different. Everybody sees things different. Everybody hears things different. Even in this podcast right now, if I was to sit with five people that listen to this podcast and ask them, what did they get most out of this podcast? They would all five have different things to say. And that is because we all are subjective. We all hear things differently. We all see things differently. So even though we're talking about what not to say to grievers, maybe some of the things we're saying might hit the wrong nerve with the, with the right person. If you get what I'm yeah, saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and again, this is the other thing that I think is so important for all the viewers out there. If you have done this, if you have said the wrong thing, it is okay. We are educating you. This is why you need to think before we speak to people. And I think that's important in general, right? right. Learn, learn from your mistakes and don't do them again, right? That's how, we, that's how we learn as human beings, just in general. That's how we problem solve. Another thing that um, gets brought up all the time, and you, know, you never really think about it. If you go up to somebody and say, hey, if there's anything you ever need, give me a call realize you are giving them a you're adding another burden to them they're not going to call you they are not going to call you they are going through their own thing a lot of us especially humans have this thing where we don't want to ask for help so when you when you say to somebody oh just call me when you need something it's kind of a cop out because that person is probably not going to call you when well, they need you and not not to mention when someone is truly grieving they are not 100% present so in that time of need, if they actually do need someone, they're thinking back to like, so who at the funeral told me that if I could, if I needed something to call them, right. like, was it Jim or was it Johnny? Do I call Jim? Is is that going to be, if, if it wasn't Jim, is Johnny going to take this? Like, no, I don't want to talk about this. Again, you're giving them more <laughs> to worry about instead of asking or telling them, hey, give me a call if you need anything, call them in six months. Yes. Check absolutely. in. Drop, you know, drop, drop off a, a note in their mailbox. I know we're still dealing with COVID times, but make it really known to this person that they aren't alone. Yeah. Ask, ask them if you can help them take the garbage and wheel it out to the road or clean up their leaves for them. Things that even you know that, that, that the person that they lost would take care of, you know, or help them with. And Dr. Nick nailed it. 
do it six months, a year after, do it the next anniversary. Because that's when they're not getting the cards anymore. That's when they're not getting the cakes anymore. And that's when they're not getting the, the food brought over and the letters and the, and the random calls from people. After about six months, people go back to their lives. This is a definite never say. Never tell somebody that they need to get over something. Never tell them when it, when it, in your opinion, is the right time to stop grieving. Because that really, really hurts. And it basically is telling them that you do not care about their grieving process. One, it's demeaning their grieving process, Absolutely. right? Too. And the other thing I say to people is it's not when someone is going to get over it. Because I always tell people when they ask me, what is the timeline for grief? And I always say, how long is that person going to be dead for? Because that's the time frame for, for grief. If you are living without a loved one, you are going to be grieving the rest of your life. The question becomes, how do you cope with that grief? How do you move with that grief? So it's not getting over, it's moving with. So if you can, you can challenge yourself to think of it that way, it probably would really help the way that you speak to people that are grieving. Because yes, in, in, in all honesty, we live in a society that does not deal well with grief, period, right? Our jobs don't allow us to grieve. Um, the community doesn't allow us to grieve. The reality is this, you are putting someone in a very, who is dealing with a death, which is sucks to begin with, into a stigmatized culture around death with the idea that we think that everything should be moving quickly. We are not a patient society. We've moved into this idea. If I order something, it's going to be here tomorrow. Um, so why can't you, you know, get help and then be done? Be done with it. Move on, right? The reality is, is again, it's not something you get over. It's something you move with. So instead of being impatient with someone, maybe you need to go out and talk to them and ask them how they're doing and, and help them. And maybe what they really need is just compassion and love versus anger. Like, why aren't you getting over this? Like, blah, 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 blah. right? Come on. And maybe your thoughts on that actually are, are issues that you're having with your own grieving process. Maybe that's an easier way for you to um, handle your own grief is to have power over other people's grief. And that's, it's just not, it's not right. It, it, we're, we don't live in a world where, okay, a spouse takes seven years to get over. A kid takes 12 years to get over. That's not how grief works. And maybe for you, it was, e it was smoother. It was a smoother process and, and not as, not as long of a process. But for others, it may take, it may take their whole li lifetimes. Um, Doc, what, what do you always say when, uh, yeah, you just said it, didn't you? That how long, how long grief lasts is how long, you how long is that person going to be dead for it? That's how long your grief is going it's to be beautiful. Just absolutely beautiful. Puts everything in perspective. And I, I, I think that's just, I think that's great. And it's, it's so interesting how this little thing, this little topic is huge. It's absolutely huge. And I realized that the more I talk to uh, people dealing with grief, is how these little comments, these little things we say, not even thinking about it, can affect either in a very positive way or extremely negative way, right? Because it could go the opposite way. You could say the right thing at the right time. And it seems that the people that are more empathetic are willing to listen and actually... Because what m most grieving people want to do is tell the story. They want to be able to tell the story of their loved one and their own. And now they're going through another journey. In a safe comfortable environment, environment. absolutely yeah. holding space the, 
this this topic that we bring up is such it's such a it's such a small term, but it, it means so much, right? It, it encompasses so much of safety and and love and and empathy. So it it's tricky because yet again, I don't think there is a, always a right terminology. There isn't a right saying. I think the the best thing that you can do is go into a situation with love and being able to listen and to actually um, be part of the conversation, not just, I need to get in there, I need to get out. Because that's another thing too. We as, we as humans are always busy, right? So we always have something else to do. You being there and you being, and you being willing to listen and to be part of that experience is huge. It's absolutely huge. So why this is why this topic is so important to Dr. Nick and I, because it's the little things that we can do to help people get through their grieving uh, experience, their their grieving journey. Well, it's just, it's just one more thing that we need to educate people on and talk about is, is that there is things that we sh- that I think is knee jerk reactions, just like when we walk into a store and the you know, the guy in the back's like, hey, can I help you with something? And you immediately say, like we all say, nope, just shopping or just looking or whatever. Or just browsing, right? The reality is, is that we actually could probably benefit from saying, "Hey, do you know where the socks are?" <laughs> you know, like I really just need a new pair of socks, but but we don't because we're embarrassed to ask for help, right? Um, but I think the knee jerk reaction is something that we were trained on, and it, it and it helps with anxiety. So when we say things like, "Oh, how are you doing?" I don't necessarily think we're thinking about what we're saying. We're just saying what we normally say to people, right? So again, when you're going to a funeral or you're going to something like that, be present to what you're saying. Just like when you're in front of a judge, you don't say, "Hey, bro, how's it going?" Right? You say, "Your honor," right? <laughs> again, it's that idea of learning time and place, right? There's a time and place for everything, and at a funeral is not the time to say things such as what we already discussed. Absolutely. Let's go into another topic because some people aren't religious, are not religious. So another big thing that that we've heard um, that can be taken very, very wrong, especially in someone that is not religious, is they're in a better place or they're in heaven. They're an angel now. They're an angel now. These are all, these are all big triggers for these people that are going through their grieving process. Maybe this person that passed away or died was an atheist. So to say something like that actually goes against what this right. person believed. I am not saying to, to to people out there that who believe in heaven and who believe in angels and all that stuff, that is a beautiful thing. That is your thing. But that is not everybody's thing, and you need to be conscious of that. Absolutely. And another thing um, people have been bringing up that I thought was really interesting is this new um, death birthday. Oh, I, I, today is your your dad's death birthday. For some people, that's beautiful. They 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 like that idea of a death birthday. For other people, no, dad is dead. There's no more birthdays after this. You know, like you're 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 reopening a wound in some people. Um, it, it it's very interesting because you got to always think, just like in every other subject, right? There's people that think extremely one way, and there's people that think extremely other. There are shades of gray, but that's the thing. So if you say the same thing to two people, one person might extremely love that, what you just said. The other person might be like, wow, that really offended me. And that's, I think, the idea, right? To think about it. Go into it with some education on what you're doing and why you're doing it. And then and then use your own read the room situation. You know what I mean? Coming in and, and making a joke when everybody's somber and crying, 
might work, but probably 10 to one, everybody's going to look at you like, are you kidding me right now? Like what, where did you come from? Right. Um, again, read the room just, and if you don't know, if you are sitting there going, I want to say something, but I don't know what to say. Don't say anything. Yeah. So what did, what did Thumper's mom say in Bambi? If you got nothing nice to say, don't say it. Or something like that. If you guys are going to all write me this, like, when's the last time you've seen Bambi? I'm not going to lie. It's been a while. If you out there know the exact quote from um, Thumper's mom, please Thumper. write us on the email. Hey, I even remembered Thumper. That's a big deal. If you got nothing better to say, don't say it at all. Yeah, something is, is like it, that. If you You're have close. nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. Something like I that. Know. <laughs> I mean, Bambi's parents did die in the beginning of the film. But but again, like that, that's the thing. It's okay not to know what to say. In fact, if you're feeling that, it's probably better just to be there and be present. And that's great. So so, I'll, so to, to wrap this up in a nice bow, Dr. Nick. Or in a nice box. In a nice coffin or a casket, whatever you want to look at it. Sarcophagus. What would be so? What would be your suggestion to somebody who's like, "Hey, I'm going to this funeral. I don't know what to say. What should I do, Doc Nick? What should I do, Doc Nick?" Number one, good for you for going. Number two, just be there. Stand by them. Don't hug them. This is another thing we're going to say. Not what what not to say. What not to do. Here's the thing: there is some people that love a hug, and there are some people that hate a hug. Depending on who you're going to see, hopefully you know them to know that. But again, read the room. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you start you start uh, interacting with them and you get closer to them and they start moving back, probably not the time to give them a hug and a smooch, right? You just don't, you don't do that. and a smooch. Well, you know, some people smooch. Wow, some people nice. are smoochers. But anyways, but but again, like I'm saying, just, just be be present. The more present you are, the more you're going to read the room. The more you read the room, the more you're going to know what to and what not to say, if that makes sense. You, yeah, I think you said it perfectly, Doc Nick. You really caught my attention. So thank thank you for that. That would You're very welcome. That will be $150 now. You, well, so I don't know if I'm going to pay any of that because what I'm going to pay you is some nice questions and answers. Q&A, Q&A. All right, let's get some some Q and A's. Okay, Doctor Nick, grief and death anxiety. I wonder how does death anxiety affect the way we grieve the loss of a loved one? Okay, yeah, absolutely. So we're we're going into existentialism here, right? This mm-hmm. idea that we all know we're going to die. I truly believe that with every death that we we have to witness and we have to approach gets us one step closer to our own death and our own realization that one day I'm going to be in that box and everybody's going to be staring at me, right? Especially, especially Dr. Nick, if it's somebody of the same age or even younger, right? Because you're bringing the, even more so the uh, Superman complex in. That- sure, sure, absolutely. Um <laughs> No, no, I mean, I mean, you're right. I mean, you're right, right? Yeah, but you just acted like you just humored me. Like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to Because I had a train of thought, and you just went in and kind of swirled. I was bringing up something that you, I thought was kinda, important, and you, you, kinda, you, you literally humored me. You did the big brother thing. It's like, okay, yeah, that's totally No, right. I mean, I, I think... Here's that, your lollipop, it depends on, get out of here. It, it depends on the age. Yeah, absolutely. Like a kid seeing another kid in a casket, that's terrifying. 
Wait, well, death right? anxiety, right? So if you see somebody who dies that's younger than you, it really puts in perspective that I can die, especially if you're a teenager, right? If you're in that first stages of really understanding what uh, mortality is, right? And then you have a another teenage friend of yours die in a tragic car accident, right? Then it really opens your eyes to wow. Yeah, but the but the problem is when you're talking about the Superman complex or the the Invincible. you know you we're, we're also saying that they see that and go, but that will never be me. But I digress. Sorry, I, I kind of went. <laughs> you're into good. A, I do think for some people it would right. It would the realization that we're not you know it could happen to me absolutely. But I think more importantly, subconsciously, depending on where you're at with your um. Because I truly believe we're not talking about death, we're not living. So, so the idea is it, it depends on you know where are you at with your own mortality, right? Some people, I think, to the day they die, are defending the fact that they're not going to die. It's just not going to happen. Like, I don't care. Like it happens to everybody around me, but it's still not going to happen to me. So my thing is, is that the more you're aware of your own mortality, I think absolutely every time you step foot in a funeral. You are one day closer to dying. And I also think this is the also the unfortunate, fortunate part, depending on how you look at this. For every time you get older, you go to more and more funerals, right? Because as you get older, your friend group starts getting lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. And then you end up being basically living at the funeral home because you're coming every week for someone else that you know. I think at that point, it is a real hit in the face with this idea that my time's coming. Can we even go a step further that you go through the process and say you're one of those lucky people that make it to 102, 103, right? So you do, you go through this p- period in your life where you're losing all your friends and loved ones, right? But then it plateaus and it goes no, down because you're no. the only one alive anymore. If you make it to 102, I think the scary part is now you're starting to see your kids and their friends die. When your grandkids. Yeah. You, you may that's, even the, see- that's the scary part. Um, when you talk to people above the age of 90, 95, all their friends are already dead. That's right. Could you imagine that realization? That's right. Like that you're you the are last, the last. Right? You, I mean, think of like brothers and sisters. They're all gone. Then it's all my fr- friends and friends are gone. Then it's, I actually have lost more children. Oh, man. You know what I mean? Like, that's the unfortunate part. The longer you live, the more death you're actually going to witness, if you really think about it. This is that's why this is extremely dark, Nick. But I want to say this. I think that's why it's so important to realize that that's why there's so much beauty in death, because the idea is you eventually are alone. Well, and I also think if you really talk to a lot of 95 year olds or, or 90 or 95 year olds, most of them will say, I'm ready. Oh, absolutely. Because there's only, and I, I, I truly believe this. I think there's only so much space in our hearts to deal with grief. Oh, absolutely. And I wow. think I once we, we've, once we fill that up, we're like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you know, God, whenever you're ready, like, <laughs> I would I'm be, good. I would love, I know, I, I know I'll never see it probably in my time, but I'd love to see like on the death certificate, like, um, heartbroken, you know, or just like, just like I mean, we grief, say, grief stricken. We, we say we, such I mean, an interesting. I think of like every time I think about that, I, I think where of the red fern grows. A lot of twins they die within years of each other, very very shortly. I also think of like Johnny Cash and his wife um, uh, Carter, June. June Carter. They were very close in how they died. I think that, and and, and, the, and that's the, the I think the most heartbreaking point of life in self is, is that 
the more we choose to love someone, the more we choose to be hurt when they're gone. The reality is if you live to the age of 90, 95, most of the people that you have loved are gone. Right. Yeah. And, I, I'll even and go that f- is terrifying. If you live to 95, you could have gone through three or four sp- spouses, not divorce, actually th- the death of four spouses. Absolutely. And that is just. Or the 95-year-old that never got married after her husband died, and, and her husband died 35, oh, yeah. 30 years yep. ago, right? When they're, when they're 70s or 60s, yeah. They have legitimately been alone for 30-plus years after their husband died. And think they about might have living been... with that, right? Because they chose that this was the only person I will ever marry. This is the only person I will ever love. So I am going to literally live out the end of, you know, end of my life until God accepts me um, or, or whatever religious belief you have. And that's that's it. But then they live until their late 90s. And literally some of these people are living 40 plus years after their spouses have died. Wow. Could you imagine? I, I can't imagine. But I think, Dr. Nick, we got to get into question two. Question two. My grandma has stage four cancer and I work all of the time. Should I feel bad for wanting to take time off work to grieve and be with the family? Never, ever, 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 ever feel bad about putting your family before work. Ever. Period. Because what I always say, and it's the same thing I said to some of my professors, which I think some of my professors probably hated me every time I said it, was at the end of the day, you're not going to be at my funeral. What if your family is work? Okay, we do work at a funeral home, but I don't think that's what the question's asking. They don't really specify. Um, but also, but but also, <laughs> they don't specify, Doctor. Thank, Dr. thank Nick. you, Benny. Yes, Benny, you do work for your your father, and the funeral home is our yes. our family. Yes, and our but, family families are our family. But, so. but let's let's be let's be real. For most people, they're not working for their. I families, see. I right? see. I just want to clarify. But I will say this: I think there is some jobs that, unfortunately there is a lot of guilt wrapped into when you take time off work. So for example, a therapist is a perfect example because especially if they deal with suicidality, them taking off work could put some of their clients at risk, right? Not saying that we are the reason why someone, well, maybe we are. I I don't know. Maybe again, maybe we are, but, but, but what I am saying, there is jobs that it makes it more difficult. If you're a heart surgeon and you take three months off, that's might be three months of people that really needed you there. So again, I understand the mm. guilt. I understand the guilt that's involved in this, but I always go back to the idea that you cannot help anybody until you are okay. So if you aren't going to be able to sleep at night because your mother is laying on a, a um, on her deathbed and you are feeling guilty about it every day, are you going to be a great heart surgeon? Probably not. Not as good as you probably could be. So my big thing to answer this question, my my knee jerk to this person is, is that absolutely not. You should not feel guilty about taking off time of work. Work is work. Family is family. I think if your priorities are family over work, then absolutely you should be home with your family. Well, thank you for all listening to this fabulous episode on talking about what not to say to grievers. Um, with that being said, make sure you send your questions our way. Let's talk about death pod at gmail.com. Let's talk about death. Make sure you share it with your friends. Share, accept, like us. We love you. 
You we love, love us, but we We're haven't. You know what? We would love to see those emojis. Send them our way. Um, I, I like the wink face. It just makes me guess. And send us, send what's us, going on. Send us your questions. We love to, we love to actually answer your questions. So send if, them our way. Yeah, and and review us. Give us some stars. You know, five stars, six stars. I mean, if you can throw in an eighth, we'll take it. Because Benny, if we're not talking about death, you ain't living. Have a great, fantastic morning, everybody.